Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, September the 19th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we are in year C, proper week 20, which is the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Monday of the week, we'd like to start it off with the Old Testament passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. In this week of the church's calendar year, and we find ourselves back in the book of Jeremiah, but we're going to go way ahead. Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 1 through 3a, so the first half of the verse, and then verses 6 through 15. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us party morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise, meet God together in a time of prayer. Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 1 through 3a, and then verses 6 through 15. And just a fair warning, I'm going to butcher some names, but here we go. In the tenth year that Zedekiah was ruling over Judah, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah. That was the same time as the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. Now at that time, the armies of the king of Babylon were besieging Jerusalem. The prophet Jeremiah was confined in the courtyard of the guardhouse attached to the royal palace of Judah. For King Zedekiah had confined Jeremiah there after he had reproved him for prophesying as he did. So now, so now Jeremiah said, The Lord's message came to me. Hananamel, the son of your uncle Shalom, will come to you soon. He will say to you, Buy my field at Anathoth, because you are entitled as my closest relative to buy it. And then my cousin Hanamel did come to me in the courtyard of the guardhouse in keeping with the Lord's message. He said to me, Buy my field that is in Anathoth, in the territory of the tribe of Benjamin. Buy it for yourself, since you are entitled as my closest relative to take possession of it for yourself. When this happened, I recognized that the Lord had indeed spoken to me. So I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel. I weighed out seven ounces of silver and gave it to him for, to pay for it. I signed the deed of purchase, sealed it, and had some men serve as witnesses to the purchase. I weighed out the silver for him on a scale. There were two copies of the deed of purchase. One was sealed and contained the, the order of the transfer and the conditions of the purchase. The other was left unsealed. I took both copies of the deed of purchase and gave them to Baruch, son of Nerah, the son of Masiah. I gave them to him in the presence of my cousin Hanamel, the witnesses of who signed the deed of purchase, and all the Judeans who were housed in the courtyard of the guardhouse. In the presence of all these people, I instructed Baruch, the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, take these documents, both the sealed copy of the deed of purchase and the unsealed copy. Put them in a clay jar so that they may be preserved for a long time to come. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. This is the word of God for us. Sometimes I think this neat little narrative right here in the middle of Jeremiah, it's almost like Jeremiah is like a magician of some sort. You know, you've been to an illusionist or magician, whatever name you'd rather prefer for that type of a show where they are trying to prove that um, they're going to take some like card and then like they want you to sign your initial on it. And it looks like it's in the card deck, but it really comes out of like your back 
jean pocket and you begin to think to yourself like how did it get from there to here but they have like other people involved like you know it's like not in your back pocket but like this other person's back pocket like so there's like this sense where like they haven't done anything like, it appears like they haven't done anything nefarious right like it's all been on the up and up i kind of feel like that's what's going on here in this part of jeremiah so jeremiah's got a unique message there's all these different unique messages happening to jeremiah early in jeremiah there's there's a sense where israel felt like maybe it was in danger but like jeremiah's message seemed stronger than the other wisdom or the other advice that some other other wise people were giving the king and uh, different uh, leaders in Israel about their incoming invasion of the Babylonians, right? So all along, Jeremiah's been saying destruction is coming. It's justly deserved by uh, Israel. You know, God's wrath is going to be poured out upon them. But then you know, towards the end, he does talk about there's going to be a restoration of things. So like Jeremiah's talking about this very, from the very beginning, but there's like some people saying, no, like there's going to be peace in the land. There's nothing to worry about here. Um, you know, we could look at, you know, what's happened in other neighboring nations or the, you know, the 10 Northern tribes. And uh, that's not going to happen to us. Like we were able to overcome you know, the hardship that uh, came upon the Northern Kingdoms, right? And then there's a sense where as like things got more dire, uh, that maybe the best political move was to consult some help from outside, you know, nations to come make it like some sort of an agreement or a treaty. Instead of like trusting in the Lord, we're going to trust in other nations. And Jeremiah is against that as well, right? But he has something unique here. He's saying, yes, destruction is coming, but God and his faithfulness is going to allow us to come back. Right. And so he's like, it's like, how do you, how do you know that? Like, and how can you call that shot ahead of time? Um, it would have been convenient for Jeremiah to keep this a secret and then just to know it in his heart and then be prepared for when they were able to return back. He decides that he's going to show his faith in this endeavor by buying a piece of land. Like this is not the appropriate time. I mean, Jerusalem is being besieged, right? This is about 588 BC. And um, this is like not a time to be buying property because it looks like they're going to be carried away into exile if they're going to survive. You know, whoever survives is going to be carried off and to be a prisoner of war. But Jeremiah's like, no, I'm going to like take two, you know, two copies of this title deed. One's going to be preserved and one's going to be like an unsealed thing and there's going to be witnesses to it. And I'm just going to show you that this is going to be fulfillment of God's promise. Yes, in the immediate destruction is going to come our way. God is going to bring us back. God's going to allow us to thrive again as a commonwealth, as a people of God. He's not going to allow us to be taken off into captivity forever. I'm going to walk by faith here. I'm going to show you, that I'm going to give a physical evidence that I've believed this ahead of time. You're not going to be able to accuse me of being like a late adopter. I'm going to be an early adopter to this hunch that the Lord has given to me. You're my witnesses. God is my witness. And it's going to bear out in the end. I think sometimes this is just, in my mind, this is a good representation of what faith looks like. Uh, faith is a wager. There are myriads of opinions of how we should live our life, okay? People in our life, inside the church, outside the church, they're saying, hey, stack up your the currency of your life on these things, on, on this perspective, on this teaching. And so Jesus' voice in the midst of a myriad of voices, he's saying, I want you to stack your life up underneath what I have to say. And that's, what, that's, our, that's our challenge day after day. Are we going to give ourselves, seat ourselves over to the way of Jesus? Or are we going to seat ourselves over uh, to these other wagers that are in life? And so what we have is the baptized community of believers, once again, fresh and new every single day, is to take up our cross daily, as Jesus teaches, and 
and to follow him, right? And so whatever the significant weighty issue, the one that gives us turmoil, that causes us to wring our hands, that causes us to sigh deeply when we think about it, that causes us to toss and to turn in our life, that is in play. There is a wager about what we're supposed to do next, what we could do next with that issue. And so what Jesus is suggesting is that we should stack up our life behind what he has for us. And to, just like Jeremiah, way ahead of time, way in advance, before sometimes there's even tangible evidence to do so, trust him and to trust his story. So it's not easy. That's not, it's easier said than done, right? We, we know that. But each of us wake up today with a weighty issue. We want to know what to do next. And sometimes it's not very easy to try to decide when we sketch it out on our scratch paper, right? So we need to ask ourselves, where's Jesus in this situation? And how can I wager my life along his way and his teaching? And so I think it's an appropriate thing to hold in our heart and mind as we turn to a time of prayer, allowing our souls to rise and meet God. And just to ask God, speak to me about this weighty issue in my life. I'm ready for your leadership and I'm ready I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do what is right and good and faithful and next for this endeavor. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you today that we live a life of faith. We thank you that there are things that we know for certain, things we've experienced personally in our lives, things that we've learned through the teachings of the church and uh, through the working out of our faith and, and practical experience. Things have been handed down to us by wise sages who have walked before us. But we understand and we still know and confess that there's a lot that's a mystery, things that we will learn along the way as we continue to walk by faith. So God, we confess to you at times that we struggle with weighty issues in our life where it doesn't seem like we know which way to turn to the right or to the left at this crossroads. And there's not exactly someone who's had the exact same situation. And there's not just one Bible verse that underwrites the whole thing. And so we hold our breath and we take our step. We thank you, God, that we can trust you now, even though the evidence may not be totally revealed and totally clear. So Jesus, we pray that you would convince us once more of your love, convince us one more of your one more time of your power, so as we take a leap of faith today and continue to follow you, that we would be comforted by you. We thank you for the great invitation, Jesus, that you gave in your teaching. We said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, laid down with burdens, and you'll find rest for your souls. God, deep within, we seek rest for our souls, knowing that we've done our best to please you and that your grace covers us and that you separate us from our sins as far as the east is from the west and that we can keep in step with the Spirit today. So God, this day we pray that as we make our step, that you would light the path for that very next step. That there would be delight in our way so that we could celebrate another day of following faithfully behind you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.